Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm your host, Warren Sean. Alongside me, as always, is the great Gary Washburn. We're your host and resources for everything Celtics this season and all seasons. Gary, good to see you, man. Uh, we got a little, you know, post-All-Star drip going on. You know, we're back into the flow of the regular season here, the stretch run, as we like to call it. But as always, we'd like to know how you're doing, man. How's everything been? Everything's good. Everything's good. Yeah. Season's starting to kick into the fourth gear, I'd say. I mean, yeah. out of maybe five gears and 20-plus games left and some entertaining basketball, obviously, last night in L.A. Uh, who would have thunk? I mean, little, you know. I, think I, I went played, to bed on that game, yeah, <laughs> thinking I, it was I one way, on, and then it went the other way. It was like they, I think I was uh, – they were up 21. The Clippers were up 21 in the third, and I was fighting sleep, and I was <laughs> flipping the channels, and then all of a sudden it was like I think down to seven, and then that's where I watched like the last four minutes or whatever where it was like, okay, the Lakers going to pull this out, and all of a sudden LeBron just uh, has one of those great moments of his career, one of those signature moments where he just takes everything out of your hands and turns into Superman, and I think it was fun to watch. I think it was fun for the young folks to see, you know, that LeBron, you yeah. know, not, not as often as it used to be, but, man, when he when he's when he's right, he is right. I think that's that's <laughs> expertly and poignantly put, right? And I think even Darvin Ham continues to be, you know, LeBron's you know biggest fans, you know, exactly saying just that he, you know, he he pulled out, whipped out the cape as you alluded to, um, and and a great I think comeback win, you know, for the Lakers there, um, in the season that has not quite gone the way that they would have expected, but you know, Clippers without Paul George, without um, you know, I think not the starter in, in the lineup there, uh, so the fact that they were up that many and had it pretty much in hand and let it go away is is a problem. Um, but the fact that they were able to play well, at least for three quarters, you know, without two starters is, you know, an indication of how talented that Clippers team can ultimately be. Boston knows very well, you know, as Clippers came into Boston and spanked them a couple of weeks ago. So um, really interesting stuff going out there in the Western conference, you know, but uh, as always, you know what it is with, with Boston, the Eastern conference is their home and some stuff going on here as well too. Good and bad. Um, we can maybe touch on that here, maybe towards a little part of the show, I think in some ways, because, uh, you know, we always talk about I live in the South Florida area. So seeing the Heat play better is a positive thing in terms of Boston may not have to face them in the first round. Uh, but the aspect of that, they're they're playing better. And, you know, I mean, it could be problematic, um, you know, with that infamous Heat culture. Uh, but before we get into all that, you know, we got to do our plugs. Uh, make sure you follow me on Shaw Sports NBA on X. Follow Gary at G Washburn Globe. Make sure you're always reading Gary's stuff on the bostonglobe.com. Follow Believe Network and Believe Sports on social media as well. And give our show a five-star rating if you'd be so kind um, on whatever your listening platform is. So uh, before we get into, you know, what we we're just talking about, maybe even towards the end here in terms of how the, the the Eastern Conference is starting to flow out a little bit. News has been kind of circulating. I know Draymond Green was talking a little bit about goalposts moving and things like that, too. And I think the Celtics organization, and obviously, Gary, you're very close to it. You can tell us if this is true. But I think there's been a push now, especially post-All-Star, to be like, yo, why not Jason Tatum for MVP? Why is he not getting more consideration for that? But before we get into the specific case for Tatum, um, I want to get your thoughts, Gary, because you do have a vote. And one of the things that voters – 
media, fans alike, even players say, well, there's no true damn criteria. It's all very subjective. So from your standpoint, a person who has a vote, what's your subjective criteria now for the MVP outside of the 65 games, which is the only thing <laughs> that I guess is a mandate here now, but what have you been looking at in years past and what you've been looking for this year to, to cast your vote? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Warren, because um, now it's 11 years that I was the only one that voted for Carmelo. Mm. And, I, and, um, and I was the one, unfortunately, in terms of like, I didn't know, but, you know, denied LeBron being the unanimous MVP in 2013. And everybody wants to know still uh, what made me vote for Carmelo. And my reasoning was he was the uh, – he carried that team um, to the playoffs. He carried that team to the second round. That team in 90, uh, 2013 won uh, the Atlantic Division for the first time in 19 years. They had not won it since 94. Mm-hmm. They didn't even win it in 99 when they went to the finals, and they made that surprising run. Uh, he was just dynamic that year. Led the league in scoring. I think he went. I think he was like twenty nine, seven, and six that year. And even though LeBron had a historic year himself, I felt like he was indispensable to the Knicks. And when you're looking at MVPs, the question is: Do you vote for the best player in the best team, or do you vote for the player who's indispensable to his team? To where? they would collapse or likely fall out of the playoffs if not for this individual player. And so I think it varies. It all depends on how you look at it, Warren. Um, For me, this is an interesting year. Like, you know, is it – for me, it's not numbers-based as much. Numbers are are great. It's clutch play, what you do against the top opponents in the league, um teams win and loss record teams win and loss record last year did you carry them to, to 10 to 12 did you help them to get 12 or 15 more wins um and and so i i don't have a real like i'm just starting to kind of pare it down you know obviously it seems to be down with with Embiid out because of the 65 game limit um you know you can maybe choose a guy out of la you can maybe say Kawhi is a long shot you could say Luca, obviously, Jokic, Tatum, um, SGA in Oklahoma City, who's having a fantastic year. And you can probably throw in Anthony Edwards. Um, and if you want to, you could say Giannis, if you think that he's had a tremendous season. But obviously, with the Bucks not being as good as people thought, I don't think, I think he's kind of fallen out of that race. So I think there's five or six candidates. And I just think you have to look at, Overall statistics, but also how you do in the big games, how much the team has improved with from the you know from years you know this year to last year. The Celtics uh, won I think what fifty seven last year. If they win sixty five, that's a market improvement. That's an eight game improvement. Um, you look at the importance of that player on the team. You know if that's the case, maybe you can vote for Jokic almost every year. But you also yeah. look at the standings. You also look at the important, the supporting cast. Is he playing with two to three other guys who are all NBA caliber? Um, so that might hurt Tatum where it's, well, you know, he's got a team with Jalen and Drew Holiday and Derek White and Chris Dasporzingis as one of the best teams in the league. So it all depends on how you really look at it. For me, um, I take all things into consideration in terms of uh, – 
wins, losses, performance in big games, overall numbers, um, overall improvement from that one year for, to another for the particular player, and supporting cast. You know, so to me, that's what I look at. Um, I don't really have a choice right now in terms of like, oh, I've pared it down this guy. I really right. haven't looked deeply besides like the 30 point games. I haven't looked deeply at like SGA's numbers, right? I haven't looked and said, man, that dude, you know, but I think he deserves all the consideration. And Jokic, I haven't looked at numbers yet. I haven't really looked at that yet. Uh, but Tatum, I think there's this kind of groundswell of support of, well, why in the hell is he not a candidate, a top three to four candidate, if he's the best player in the best team? And and I think he's taken a step forward, even though his numbers do not sh- reflect it. Like, I think if you're going to look at pure numbers, you know, Jason doesn't have a 53-point game. He's got a couple of 40s in there, I think, this year. Um, you know, maybe would that help his case? I'm sure if he shows out um, on – and I think, you know, we could talk about that more in the next five games. Basically, five playoff teams you're playing in the next five – in the next, uh, what, eight days – all national TV games. Uh, I think TNT picked up the Cleveland game. So all that, you know, t- Turner on uh, TNT on Tuesday and Thursday, that ABC Saturday night game at Phoenix on next Saturday, yep. ESPN on Friday, uh, ABC on Sunday. So it is going to be the Celtics on the big stage. I think can Tatum help his case by putting up some big games, leading his team to wins? Yes. I think that will uh, impact the voters, and I think that people will get a chance to look because I think people are kind of taking themselves for granted because they're winning so much that it's like, eh, whatever. And then he's Jason's become kind of a new old name, right? SGA, even though I want to say, like, they're not that much in part in age, right? Like, SGA is, what, 23, 24 Tatum's 25. Like the, we, we view SGA as a new face, even though uh, he's been in the league four or five years now. Same with Anthony. A- Anthony, who's a little younger, right? Anthony Edwards, I think, is uh, 23. Um, so we're viewing them as new guys. Tatum, because the Celtics have competed so much have and so for so long, he is not a new name anymore. And obviously <laughs> – the fact that he's on a lot of commercials and all that, you know, probably, you know, helps and hurts him in a sense because I think people are like, well, Jason, prove it, prove it in the playoffs, man. We're tired of we're tired of seeing this, uh, you know, same old act, and then you guys lose to the Heat. Um, so for me, I think he's got some stuff to prove, but I think yep. he's in the race, and I think he should be in the race. I think you know, again, that point of can you win it within within the stretch of games or as you're alluding to, you know, against some of the tougher opponents, right? So riding, what is it like eight game winning streak here right now? Um, and now five games against five teams who could literally give them the business. They could, they could feasibly go zero and five in this stretch with the way. So with some of these teams playing, you're catching golden state now back on an upswing again to some, some demons that need to be exercised. I think for, for, for Boston in that game coming up, and for Tatum and Brown, I think specifically as well, too. Like, they've, they've got to learn to play well. But I think we all remember last year where it was teetering and the conversation and maybe always comes up and, well, is it this guy or that guy? Embiid just lambasted Jokic, I think, on a national TV game. 
Um, and there was people like that was done. And I was like, damn, he won the MVP with one game. But it's just kind of to show like how their narratives can essence can kind of swing. And Embiid, I think, was deserving and very well deserving to at least be in the conversation last year and ultimately win it. It's fine. But it's just so wild to kind of see that. But I think with this stretch of games here, Tatum can probably, as you allude to, make his best case and best push. But I don't know if if you have when you have a second all-star like that in Jalen Brown and you have Porzingis and you have what Derek White is doing. Everybody sees what Derek White is doing on top of it now, too. Derek White's no longer like this underrated guy. People are like, yo, that guy can hoop. They were talking about him being on the all-star. Drew now was going to be a lock, if you will, for the Olympic team. So there's a lot of great support that's there. It's interesting, though, because on the flip side, you know, the case for Giannis is interesting, um, but he has another Hall of Famer alongside him in, in, in Dame. But Giannis is having a really great, great, great season. Jokic continues to probably be the best overall player in basketball on a night-to-night basis, right? Um, and then it was interesting you brought up Kawhi because I see what the Clippers are doing, and I think the case for him is maybe being bolstered by like, oh, dude, this, fine, this guy's freaking finally healthy again. And I, I don't know if that's that'd be enough for me because he's he's literally flanked by two future Hall of Famers, you know, in PG and James Harden. And I think that's three. where Tatum's like he has room. Three. Oh, and Russ, my bad. Yeah, you, like nobody disrespect. talks about disrespect. Russ, but I know disrespect. Russ comes off the bench, but that team got four Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, disrespect. <laughs> yeah, you caught me. You caught me disrespect there. So shout out to Russ. But I think in the case of Tatum, they have really good players. But Jalen Brown's not necessarily a Hall of Famer. He might be on the path, but he's not there. Right. Porzingis, certainly not, you know, what I mean, very good player, but not in that elk. So I think it's just really interesting to kind of see that is the collective whole of the of the Celtics parts going to impact his 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 overall case because he's also not having his best statistical season. But I think one thing that does go in, in his favor is the fact that he does play both ways. And I don't think Tatum's defense gets talked about enough, you know, in, in general, in general terms, if you will. And then sometimes on the biggest stage and taking some of the biggest challenges. And that's why I think this next five game stretch can be as as important as any of, of his career when it comes to this individual award. Because I remember hearing him on, I think, on the J.J. Reddick podcast, not whenever it was. And it's just like, yeah, man, he I think he does feel like the, the narrative moves for him. But what are the case of being like, hey, I had a pretty good year, but it doesn't really get talked about. But similar, not Luca like, but similar, a whole heap of praise was what put upon them. Remember, like the second year Luke was here, oh, Luke has an MVP chance. And then, you know, Kevin Durant, once the Celtics beat the Nets that year, that guy's going to be an MVP one day. So we haven't necessarily seen him take the proverbial steps, but now this seems to be the year in terms of the team really being at the forefront. And now the narrative, like you said, can the best player on the best team, should that be the MVP? And I think I think it's just, it again, the narrative switches and changes every single year. Um, of, of everything I've said right there, where do you think and and you don't have to you don't have to rank the other guys, but is Tatum at least top five in MVP voting in your consideration? Yeah, I think he's top five. I think he's top five. And going back, Shea Gillis Alexander is four months younger than Tatum. So there's not years here. Like, like he is four months younger than Tatum, but we view Shea Gillis Alexander as this up and comer, right? Uh, because he's a two-time all-star now, second year just made it. Uh, but he is he is in his sixth six year in the league. Tatum's in his seventh. So they are four months apart. So whatever reason, that's how we view Shea is like this young up and comer. It's his time, but he's literally 25, about to turn 26 like Jason. So mm-hmm. Jason's in the top five. 
And I think because of the Celtics and because of their success, you're going to have to pick one of those guys as an MVP candidate. Now, obviously, Jason is, is the best one. And I just think his numbers are deceiving, Warren. He's averaging 27 a game. Okay, that's three points fewer um, than last year, but he's also taking two fewer shots per game. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 47.5% from the field, tied for his career high as a rookie. Now he's taking – he took twice as many shots this year as then he had, did as a rookie year. So it's a little, it's, you know, deceiving. But he did obviously had a standout rookie year, right? 14 points a game, uh, you know. So he had a good – he played, you know. He started – he has started uh, for the Celtics since he got got off the bus uh, from, from Duke. So uh, he had a full rookie year, but he – his highest shooting percentage since his rookie year, 36.1 from three. He's been better. He was better in his first four years from three, but he tailed off the past two at 35.335%. Now he's up to 36.1%. Uh, free throw shooting, it's kind of been an adventure for him a little bit, even though he's still 82%. Sometimes he misses some that he probably should make. Yeah. But rebounds, uh, 8.5 compared to 8.8 last year. Assists, career high 4.9. Steals about one a game, which is his career average. So um, turnovers, 2.5, his lowest since his third year. So he's taking care of the basketball. He's shooting pretty well from three. Not great, not elite, but he has – obviously he, he he can knock them down. You wouldn't leave him alone. Um, career high in shooting percentage. So if you look at the overall numbers, Warren, he deserves consideration. Um. Defensive rating, 110. He's had better defensive ratings over the years, 106 a couple of years. But 110 is is what he, was about what he was last year. His offensive rating's higher, career high 121. Uh, obviously, points per possession with him on the floor. If, if you don't know what offensive rating, not you, but the fans and listeners don't know what offensive rating means. So, you know, he is having a nice season. Um, but – as I said, there is a groundswell, I think, a push to get Luca MVP because he's so damn good and he's and he's so crafty. And I think we I think the work, you know, the NBA community loves Luca. Um, and so I think that there's gonna some and then the, the Mavericks are better this year. I think if they're the six or seven seed, it might be hard, but uh, if they push up to four and then and, and we'll see them um how they do over the next couple of weeks. And I know they come to Boston uh, on Friday. To me, I think there's a groundswell of support. I think there might be some Jokic fatigue, even though he didn't win it last year. He won two in a row. Right. Um, and Gilgis Alexander, the question is, will fans, you know, what's our will of voters, is what he's doing, is that enough? Um, is that enough? You know, will do you see him as a franchise player? I think yes, um, but I I think with with a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, tremendous player, but probably needs to get some more uh, some more national TV games. You know, um, we don't see do Oklahoma. Think, uh, do you think there could be a legitimate chance just because of the the shiny new aspect that SGA could could win this thing over Tatum? He could. Now, he could. 
That's Oklahoma City's the number a half game back of Minnesota, number one. They've won six in a row. He's at he's leading the league in scoring. I think you know when you're talking about um when you're talking about uh if you discount and beat, I think, but I think Shay's mm-hmm. in that in that category. I think he's second or third, if not the tops. And you know, Oklahoma City's number one seed. I mean, or tied for number one, one six in a row. Um, so but they have they have listen, I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't want to you know speak blasphemously here, right? But they have one of the better supporting cast in the leagues as well, too. Yeah. Now, granted, he didn't have they didn't have two all stars, if you will, but Chet Holmgren and, and Jason will and Jalen Williams, I did sorry, uh, J Dub. Those are those are two hoopers. <laughs> those those guys can play, and I think you know that OKC team is like like they play to Shea's strength. And I'm not knocking Shea in any capacity, but I'm hard pressed to feel like he has the 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 nod over over Tatum in this when he has just as good as a not maybe just as good a supporting cast, but he's similarly skilled supporting cast. And SGA is maybe doing a little bit more lifting because that's the way that's what they need to do for offensively. Tatum can score 32 a night, 33 a night if he really needed to, but that's just not where Boston is. So I think that's why it's such an interesting case scenario, but narratives do run this league, and we all know that. Yeah. My, so going back to the scoring, the qualifiers, Luka's leading the league with 34 points a game, 34-4, and Shea is uh, second. The question is, I think it's perception, Warren, because do you view Oklahoma City as like – a real support like do you they're they essentially they have they were great under when Durant and Westbrook were there, right? They went to a finals, they went to a Western Conference finals, they came close, they couldn't pull it out, they lost that 3-1 lead to the Warriors, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for that era. And then Russ and um Paul George got into the playoffs. I think they lost, and then there was um then, and then when they traded for Chris Paul, they even got into the playoffs in the bubble. But after that, they went through this period of we're just, you know, they they traded Paul George. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they they traded Chris Paul. They dumped all their parts. They decided to completely start from, from scratch. And now they've got all these draft picks, Josh Giddy, um, J-Dub, the other Jalen Williams, um, Holmgren. All these guys are homegrown. The question is, do you view those guys as a do you view them as a great team or a great young team? And so I think Gilgis Alexander might benefit from being like, man, he has led that those group of young guys because they don't have no old guy. Like they just got Gordon Hayward. Um, Gordon's not what he once was. Gordon's 33 years old. They don't have they don't have a lot of adults in the room, as as they would say. Like they're a bunch of kids and they play hard. You know what's the what's the kid? Uh, the rookie Casein Wallace has played well. He's an all rookie team kind of guy. Um, you know they have just done so. If you view Shea as the leader of this really young crew and they're overachieving, because I think would you say that they're overachieving this year? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that too, right? Like I don't. I think people when they were in the play-in last year, they lost. So they've gone all the way from the play-in, eighth, ninth seed, because I think they were in the initial play-in, all the way to one or two. That's going to help Shea in the fact that other guys are taking a step forward. I think there's an argument between him and Tatum, obviously, 
It all depends on how you look at it. But if you're looking at dubs, if you're looking at the who's led their team to wins, you got to give Shea just as much uh, respect as Tatum because Tatum, Shea's got a bunch of kids, and I think the perception is Oklahoma City's a team that's probably was a year or two away, and they have fast-tracked that because now yeah. we don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs, right? They could go up against the Warriors in that 8-1, get the jitters, lose in seven, right? Like, would we be surprised if they played a Dallas, a, a Lakers, Oklahoma City, sorry, sorry, uh, Golden State, even a New Orleans, and they're just like, the you know, they're just a deer in headlights because it's their really their first time in the big stage, home court advantage. But we're talking about regular season here. You got to give SGA and those guys credit for taking that step forward. Yeah, I think I, I, that's going to count just as much in support as the Celtics because the Celtics people, you know, you got Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, former All Star, um, Chris Asporzingas should should have been probably an All Star. Derek White, one of the rising players, you know, young not young anymore, but one of the rising players in the league. Probably he's one of the most improved players in the league over the last couple of years. So if you look at that, you're probably going to give Shea more support because you're probably saying that supporting cast in Boston is better than Oklahoma City. Yeah, and I think that point about just, again, what they've done from what they expected. Because I was like, hey, I, I, I think we all saw the writing on the wall. I was like, no, that's a playoff team. I didn't think they'd be in the play. And I thought, but I thought they'd be five. Yeah. You know, five, maybe From four. eight to five, that would have been a – that's a fantastic season. That's them coming back because I think the, the the kind of the consensus in Oklahoma City was about them was like, okay, when y'all gonna finally turn all these picks into like now they still have 28 fan year first round picks over the next few years, but when are you gonna turn all these assets into winning on the floor? Like and I knew, I'm sure. I mean, last year they they uh, they they made the play in. They I think they lost to Minnesota, a competitive game. So that was like a little bit of the taste because yeah. we're I mean, honestly, Warren, it was only, I mean, in the bubble, they were in the playoffs, right, with Chris Paul, a young SGA, a first-year SGA there. It was the first year there. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, you know, they had, they had a bunch of – they had some vets, but they decided to go bad, you know, as some teams, you know, teams are trying to do now. The Detroit's, the Washington's, like, okay, no more middling here. The getting into the play-in or, or sneaking in is not going to work. We got to go bad. And they've obviously done well, right? And I think that there was this impatience of three years of like, okay, what's up in Oklahoma City? Are they really trying here? And they like, no, no, we're trying now. And they get Gordon Hayward at the deadline. They got all these picks. They got all these guys. Now they got to pay them all eventually, right? Yeah. Um, they got they paid SGA, but they got to pay Holmgren. They got to pay J, J. Will. They all these guys are going. It's, it's going to be a situation like 15 years ago where they got to decide who gets to go and who gets to stay. And, and they made the decision of sending James Harden out. And that you know we can discuss whether that was the right call to keep Serge Ibaka over over uh, James Harden, but they did. But now I think people are like, whoa! And I just think that now to give. Now, here is another thing. He would be the third Thunder player to win an MVP. So is that a little too many, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that people like, okay, like we, you know, we didn't, okay, 
we've acknowledged they're a good team, a good franchise. Like we're good, you know, wait till next year. So it's no right answer. It really isn't. Luca, 34 a game, ridiculous. Like just the, the stuff he's been able to do. But Dallas is now is a seventh seed, even though, you know, they're playing better and they're going to be a, a beast to play against when the Celtics get them on Friday. Um, they're going to be it's it's going to be a hard team, hard game for for the Celtics. Um, Dallas is still only seventh in the, seventh in the you know now they're 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 six games from third, but they're still seventh in the, in the West. They're a playing team right now. Yeah, they won eight out of ten. So yeah, you they're know, nine. Yeah, even though as I said, as great as Luca is, they're nine. You know, they're nine games over the thirty four and twenty five. They've they're only 18 and 13 at home. Six like they're about the same on the road as they are at home. They're so they they're they're it, so it's easy to say, well, Luca, that's great, but you know, you've carried this team, but you know, y'all still ain't an elite team in the West. So that could count against Luca. Well, let's you know, let's close the conversation here on on that aspect. Uh, you know, I think again with Tatum. Uh, there's a lot of competition and this can be a very contentious year for that MVP as alluded to, because you can make cases and really cases for and against everybody we mentioned here for everything we've even already kind of discussed, including, you know, Tatum himself, but L, uh, SGA, Luca, uh, Jokic, Giannis, all those names. There's something that you can say, yeah, but maybe not. And I think the safest pick is probably Jokic, but like you said, there's, there's, there's potentially voter fatigue there. Um, before we close out here, we're, we're obviously inching up here against the March 1st, you know, deadline for players who are on other teams to be in us to be bought out. It doesn't mean you, so if you're not on a team currently, you can still join and, and be eligible for the playoffs, but we're seeing some names, um, some interesting, some not so much. Um, Mike Muscala got let go or is about to get let go. Uh, more recently again, former Celtic, uh, Patty Mills got let go. I think today as we're recording, Marcus Morris just got let go, former Celtics, so this could be some intrigue there. Potentially, don't really know. Um, do you think the Celtics are going to do anything with this last roster spot? I know you've been talking about converting, you know, Kita into, into into that final spot, but with the arrival of Tillman, don't really know how realistic that's going to be. Do they feel like they still need that front court depth? What are you hearing from that side from Boston in terms of that last roster, last roster spot, or are they just going to let it ride? Interesting. Okay, so. Um... I, I I looked at Marcus Morris and thought, damn, like they could use him. But remember, folks, as we talked about a few podcasts ago, if this if any player makes over the mid-level exception of 12 million, they're ineligible to sign a buyout contract with the Boston Celtics because the Celtics are in the second apron. Marcus Morris, in the final year of his deal, is making 17.1 million. He is not eligible to come to Boston. He liked playing in Boston. He had a, he was a good Celtic. Like I, 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 I did not want to see him go. I enjoyed covering him. He was a, he was a dog when they had him and Crowder and Isaiah. They had a bunch of dogs in that team. Tough guys. Amir Johnson. It was fun to cover that team. Right, the young. You know when it was young Tatum and young Brown. But you cannot count your count out scratch out Marcus Morris off your list. Patty Mills is somebody that the question is, do you think he has anything left in the tank? Um, he can still, I mean, he's a shooter. He's not going to defend anybody. 
He's going to come off the bench and potentially light it up from three in one game. He's going to win, you know, he's 35 now. He could win you maybe a game or hit a key three or supplements the bench unit. But in, the, in, in his numbers this year in Atlanta, were not terrible. We only played 19 games. He shot 38% from three uh, this year, 36 last year in Brooklyn. He hasn't had a lot of run. He, he played uh, a couple years ago, 81 games. He he was That was his last time as a kind of a full-time player. He shot 40% from three. So he could still stroke it. Yeah. Okay. The question is, can he get open? He's lost a step. He's not the kind of the guy he was in San Antonio where he was just terrorizing teams because he was getting open and that that sliver of space he was knocking down. I mean, he shot 41% from three uh, six, seven years ago, 39% in 18, 19. So he was a, a premium three-point shooter. Could he be somebody that the Celtics can bring off the bench um, and just say, okay, Patty, Get us some buckets. I've thought that they've needed that kind of guy. But is it Patty Mills? And remember, March 1st is the day that the deadline. So it might not get any better. I don't know how many guys are going to get bought out tomorrow, but tomorrow is the deadline. So you got to move Scala. I don't think Muscala was very good with the Celtics. I just think, why would you bring him back? You already got you got Xavier Tillman. You don't need that big. You don't, you got Keita. Kata, I think, has got some games left to play. Um, the Mills would be interesting. Now you could say, well, he's a lot like Peyton Pritchard. True. Um, but could you throw him in as the two guy? You know, I don't think he's a point guard as much. You you know, you or you can go super small and play him and Peyton. But mm-hmm. could you uh, put him in as a two with a Derek White and have him just run the floor you know, get open. Former teammate of Derek White, I want to believe in San Antonio. So um, that's something to think about, right? Now, the buyout market, Warren, as we know, this you're not signing LeBron. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about LeBron, but like you're not signing a player who's going to come on and be a starter and come in and just dominate. Like most of these guys are on their last leg. You know, if you look at Gordon Hayward in, 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 um, Oklahoma City, I watched the game against Houston. It was on TNT, and there he is playing with, like, six minutes left for the Thunder up by 18, right? Here's Gordon Hayward coming in. Like, that's what it's going to be. This guy might help you win one game. He might give you one big shot in the playoffs. That will be it. Remember all the buyout, the Greg Monroe's and all these guys. And oh, stuff. Wow, yeah. Yeah, like, none of those guys have been like, oh, man, that guy came in and just literally – you know, flipped the script, went nuts, helped help the Celtics win two or three games. Like, so what you can do is you got to just decide if it, if it's worth bringing a guy like Mills in or do you convert Kata or you say, okay, you mean it's like you've done a good this year, go to summer league, we'll sign another, and, and next year you really compete for a roster spot. Because I think if they like – I think they like what Luke Cornett has done, and now you got Tillman. So do you yeah. need a fourth bid, right? And they really haven't played Tillman much. And then if you have Jaden Springer, do you need Mills? If, you, if you're really looking for – but, you know, Springer's not a shooter much as a defender. So a lot of discussions, a lot of, you know, or do you just use the spot, Warren, 
just for the hell of it because you just want to add a guy. Right. If, if he doesn't help you, like the Blake Griffin, and people go, well, Blake, I don't see Blake suddenly coming back. He might be working out. I think he's told the Celtics, if I come back, it will probably be in Boston. I don't, you know, I'm not signing with the Clippers. I'm not, I'm not going to betray you. I retired, but I like it if I do come back. But you got to think about that. But to me, you've got to have, figure out what this guy would mean to you long-term. Will he help you? And is he okay with not playing? Is Patty going to be okay with not playing much? I don't think Marcus Morris would have been, but I do think Marcus Morris would have played if he got, if he came here. Uh, I mean, I think he's sort of slowed a little bit, but I'm a big Marcus Morris guy. I like what he, I like what he did when he was with the Celtics. I I, I thought he was a dude that they, <laughs> they really, really like needed those, you know, yeah. those, you know, those teams was hit with our, uh, with Jay Crowder and Isaiah, they had Marcus, they had some real dogs in that team. We want, you know, you want those dudes with you in a dark alley. Um, but it, it, yeah, Warren, I think you should consider it because I think obviously Patty wants to play for he wanted to win another kid. He yeah. wanted to win in San Antonio. So name all the candidates: the Minnesotas, Oklahoma City's, the Lakers, the Warrior, whatever. All the teams. You know, probably with championship caliber um, intentions, I don't think, you know, some of these teams are probably going to look at them that are playing the, the Bulls or whatever, or the Hawks, or he just left the Hawks, sorry. the uh, You know, some of these teams are vying, you know. I, yeah, I think- the Hawks thing is interesting considering the Trey Young news, you know, even that they let him go, you know. So kind of seems to me they're just like, yeah, they're, they might be punting <laughs> on this all, all together, man. Totally. So. Yeah, I just – I think in Atlanta, they just got to figure out what they're going to do this summer. They got to see what the Lakers will probably offer them for Trey Young or DeJounte Murray. They got to, if you're going to break them up, you got to break them up and figure out a future in Atlanta because Atlanta's just kind of on a merry-go-round. They're just, they're going absolutely nowhere. Yeah, yeah, true indeed. Well, that'll do it here for this week's edition of Believe in Something's great, great conversation about the MVP race, the mind of an MVP voter. Um, and, and Gary Washburn, who's had this vote here for you know over 10 years, so amazing conversation to have there. I'd love to get your thoughts and feedback on where you think Jason Tatum lies in the MVP race. I'll let us know, give us your thoughts here on Believe in Something's again. As always, hit us up on X at Shaw Sports NBA and my guy, Gary G. Washburn Globe. We'll catch you all next week, man. Big, big, big five-game stretch here for the Celtics. So a lot can be made. A lot can be made in the way of Tatum's MVP race here, too. So stay tuned here. Believe in Celtics, y'all. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.